This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right. I am not Chris Plank. I am, however, Jessica Cootie. And this is a special edition of the Sooner Sports Podcast. And uh, if you're a regular listener to the Sooner Sports Podcast, uh, we've done this a couple of times where I've done an interview for a feature story and, um, you know, we just played the raw interview or we've we've talked about the feature story here with Chris Plank. Uh, but but one thing when I'm doing these feature stories is, you know, it's it's for a broadcast most of the time and a broadcast has a time limit. Right. So I have a I have a time constraint on my features and. So a lot of times I have four to five minutes to tell somebody's life story. Um, and so a lot of times some really, really, really great stuff gets left on the cutting room floor. And so kind of this story in particular kind of kind of made me have this idea where, um, you know, maybe start doing this every week because I do a feature at least I do at least one every week, a lot of times two. Um, but the, the, some of those really great stories, some of the great little tidbits that don't get to make it in the feature story, wanted to have a, a platform where I could still tell that and and not feel so upset. I get so attached to it. I think I, you know when I when I'm doing these interviews and I'm just like, oh, that's such a great story and I can't include it. I, I get so upset. It takes me a long time to edit. But I think if I had a place where I knew that I was telling these stories and I feel like people would enjoy hearing some of these stories that. That would be a, a great thing, you know, for me to do and, and maybe for, for Sooner fans, for our listeners to get to kind of hear some of those those things that, that don't make it in the feature. So, hence where this is all coming from, hence the special podcast, why I am here and not Chris Plank. Hopefully do this um, at least once a week is what I'm going to shoot for. Um, but, uh, you know, especially when I have those stories that feel like uh, there, there's a lot more to be told. Um, so, this is on Merv Johnson. If, if you're a Sooner fan... And you've been a Sooner fan for a while. You know who Merv Johnson is. Um, you know, he's he's been around the Oklahoma football program. This will be his 38th season with the Sooners. But he's been involved in football um, for more than 65 years. Um, just just remarkable. He's He's been at Oklahoma, Notre Dame, um, Arkansas, Missouri, and just has so many great stories. Um, you know, great, great. He's such a huge part of college football history. And I'm going to get into into a lot of that uh, coming up here. But I wanted to start with kind of where it all began for Merv. You know, he's from King City, Missouri, small town, less than a thousand people. He grew up working on a farm. And as a ninth grader, uh, went into town and somebody had talked him into going out for football. Um, he played there at, at King City and then went on to Missouri and played for the Tigers. He was an all-conference selection um, on the offensive line, academic all-conference, uh, was voted team captain as a senior. Um, in his junior and senior years, uh, the Sooners were actually in the middle of an unprecedented streak, right? 1956, Oklahoma was scheduled to play in Columbia. This is a time there's no game film, right? No, no film was exchanged. Most of the games were not on TV. So they would have scouts go 
to these games and and watch the games and and bring back the report. They'd write up the report. Um, so the scout from Oklahoma was went up to watch uh, Missouri play Colorado the week before Oklahoma was was to play the Tigers. Uh, he brought back the scouting report. Somewhere along the line, the details got a little misconstrued. Bud Wilkinson's 1956 scouting report from Missouri reads as follows. Left tackle number 77, Mervyn Johnson, 6'215", junior, one of the meanest, dirtiest football players in the league. Versus Colorado, he dealt misery to the Colorado linemen throughout the game, was finally ejected for gouging Bayek's eyes, is big and tough, and we must block him harder than we have blocked anyone this year. He will be playing over our right tackle on defense. So that is from Bud Wilkinson himself on the 1956 scouting report for Missouri, you know, saying that that Merv had got ejected against Colorado. Um, So here is Merv's son, Jeff Johnson, and Merv himself explaining this scouting report. Joe Washington found that scouting report and some files here, I think, when they were cleaning out the stadium for the, uh, for the renovation. And uh, he faxed me a copy or, or emailed me a copy. And when I read it, we started dying laughing. And when I called him on it and said, did you really get thrown out of a game? He was really defensive. And he said he knew who got thrown out of the game, but it wasn't him. And- well, yeah, Joe Washington is at fault for that. He either made that up or he found it somewhere. And he probably found it somewhere. And what happened? Colorado had a big old fullback that was nasty, and there was a big pileup, and uh, somebody uh, slugged him, I think, and then he gouged him in the eye, and they kicked both of them out, and it wasn't me. But what happened, the scout got back, and I'm sure he didn't know who did it either, or maybe they wanted to pick out a, a guy to, uh, to headhunt that ball game, <laughs> so they used me. <laughs> I had nothing to do with that. <laughs> I know who did. <laughs> But it wasn't me. I think he was actually pretty good during those games. So he said that Wilkinson was going to try to do anything he could to fire those guys up to block him. And I think Oklahoma soundly beat them that Saturday. We only got beat 67 to 14. And uh, it was it was brutal. Uh, so Merv Johnson, obviously a solid, solid player. Um, but the part about him being mean and dirty not true. Not true whatsoever. Uh, I mean, have you met Merv Johnson? If you know, you know what I'm talking about when I say he's literally one of the nicest guys on the planet. Uh, but that's a pretty funny story there. Bud Wilkinson scouting report, uh, trying to get his team fired up, and, and he puts it on Merv Johnson for them to go out there and do that on. They won that game, and, um, you know, ironically, another great story regarding Merv as a Missouri player is he was actually a senior when Oklahoma played Missouri on November 9th, 1957. 39-14 was the final. Win number 47 straight for Oklahoma. That's right. Merv played in the 47th game of that NCAA record for most consecutive wins. Uh, Merv uh, likes to joke around with some of the former Sooner players that he played against and that he's had the chance to be around since he's been here at Norman. And, uh, you know, he tells them, if if you guys hadn't played me, you would have been stuck at 46. Of course, we all know after they played Missouri, they would lose to Notre Dame. So ended at 47, and Merv Johnson just so happens to be uh, a part of that 47th win. Uh, So when he's done playing football at Missouri, wasn't sure what he wanted to do. 
Uh, here's Merv on how he got into coaching and then following Coach Barry Switzer himself on how Merv ended up on his staff here at Oklahoma. When I got in college, I didn't know what I wanted to study. So I took just a general agriculture course, which is the worst thing you can do. There was nowhere you'd go except back to that, back to that farm. And uh, my head coach my senior year, Frank Broyles at Arkansas, is kind of my mentor in this whole thing. Uh, I got to coach for him for 15 years, and uh, he asked me if I'd like to come help coach the freshmen and be the boss in the dormitory. And I said, you know, that sounded pretty good. <laughs> I had thought about veterinary medicine, but I hadn't had any chemistry or anything, you know. So I went there and uh, got on the got on the train and I hadn't been able to ever get off. <laughs> I've known Merv Johnson since 1958. He, we were together at Arkansas. I was playing at Arkansas when he came with Frank Broyles. He was a captain of the Missouri team in 1957. He came with Frank to Arkansas in 58. I was a junior. I was with him there two years. I started coaching for Frank Broyles in the 60s. Merv was on the staff, so Merv and I were assistant coaches together at Arkansas in the 60s. Merv went back to Missouri, coached. Uh, I came to Oklahoma. We always stayed in contact, stayed close. 1978, I called Merv and told him that uh, uh, I lost uh, my offensive line coach and I'd like to know who he considered the best offensive line coach in the country. And I started naming a list of people. And I said, how would you rank them? And he did that for me. And I said, well, who do you think's the best? And he says, I am. And he says, well, would you consider the job? I never thought you would want to leave Notre Dame. He's, he was offensive coordinator and head at Notre Dame. They just won a national championship with Montana. And I said, you would consider the job? He says, you hadn't offered to me yet. I offered him the job and he came and took it. So his career started as a graduate assistant in Arkansas in 1958. Uh, he was hired at Missouri for a year before joining Broyles' staff at Arkansas from 1962 to 74. Uh, from Arkansas, he went to Notre Dame, and then from Notre Dame to Oklahoma, where he served as an assistant from 78 to 97, coaching under Frank Boyles, Broyles, Dan Devine, and, of course, Switzer. Uh, you know, he really, really loved game game planning uh everybody will tell you how much film he likes to watch uh how many hours he'd spend going over film and and preparing for the upcoming weeks and uh, you know he says in fact he says that's what he misses the most and and what he he missed the most once he got out of coaching is is that game planning and the preparation leading up to uh to the that week's game uh kind of a, a funny side note here you know merv if you're around him at all, you know, you're going to hear people throughout this podcast talking about how brilliant his mind is for the game of football. Uh, so just a, a little bit of a funny story here. Jeff, Merv's son, has a, a couple of sons himself that when they were playing Little League football, Jeff was coaching. And, you know, Jeff always says, you know, I never understood the game like my dad did. He just, I mean, he just has one of those, again, brilliant minds. And um, so Jeff would call up Merv at the beginning of, of the Little League season and, and say, hey, could you just give me uh, eight, eight to ten plays and, and that, you know, I could implement for the team. And so Merv would draw them up, and they'd be super simple. I mean, they'd be simple. It's Little League, right? But uh, they, they'd be misdirection-type plays. And uh, so Jeff would teach them to his team, and they would literally work 
every single time. So from Little League on up to college, Merv has always been a game planner and always been very successful at that game planning. Uh, you can only just imagine, you know, the knowledge that he gained throughout all of that time under all of those legendary coaches. So just just try to fathom what's up there in that brain. Here's Merv, Coach Stoops, and Coach Switzer. You know, I, I've been fortunate. The, the head coaches that I've been associated with since the time I was in college, actually, are legends, uh, about five or six of them. And uh, if you just kind of listen and watch, you can pick up a lot of different angles, a lot of different things. And, and the first thing you learn, there's a lot of ways to skin this cat, you know. <laughs> A uh, guy that, of course, with all his years and so many championships, he's a guy that we value. Um, always appreciate his opinion on an opponent because uh, I know how much tape and film Merck Coach Merv watches of the opponent we're going to play, and he has a, a great knowledge of the game to analyze th those people and talk about who are their better players, who struggles. So he uh, he's a big value to all of us. They value what he has to say because it means something because he's been around so long and has experienced so much and has a wealth of knowledge that you, you should, young coaches ought to hang around him and, and quiz him all day long because uh, he can help them. Because we all learn from our mentors and he was a great mentor. You can really only scratch the surface, you know, on this podcast of just how many huge moments of college football history Merv has been a part of. Uh, he was instrumental in getting Rudy onto the field at Notre Dame. You know, he coached some incredible players, uh, won four national championships. Uh, it's just, you know, you, you think about him being part of the 47-game win streak, the, the teams that he's coached here at Oklahoma. He's been at Notre Dame. You know, some prestigious, prestigious programs that he's been a part of. Arkansas's last national title that they won – Merv was on the coaching staff there. So, you know, just, again, so much history um, with with Coach Merv Johnson and the game of college football. Here's voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland, and again, Jeff Johnson. He's a legend. I mean, he's Merv Johnson. He, when you think college football, he has been a part of college football in some form or fashion for half a century, you know, uh, whether it's Missouri or Notre Dame. My favorite thing with Merv is a lot of times on Friday nights, if we're on the road, we'll go out to eat. And Merv will start stories with, I was coaching Joe Montana one time. You know, I mean, who can do that? So he's a legend. And the guy has an unbelievable well of football knowledge that it is just an honor to get to be around him, much less be on a broadcast with him. But to just be around Merv Johnson is an honor. I've always told him he needs to write a book. You know, I always say you've got so many stories. You've got to write a book at all the places, uh, at all the places you've been, just some of the things. But, yeah, some of the things that he's been able to do and some of the things he's been a part of are pretty special. You know, when you look back uh, at, uh, at over time at the places he's been. And I think that's one thing that he's always told me is that he's always been at schools you can win at, Missouri, Notre Dame, Arkansas, and Oklahoma. And a lot of coaches never get that chance to be at a school you can win at. And so I know he's very grateful for that. So Merv Johnson spent his entire career as an assistant coach, uh, you know, never was a head coach had several opportunities to do so um, throughout the years, um, but but turned a lot of them down. You know, he sacrificed 
because he wanted to keep his his family in Norman. Um, in fact, you know, when when uh, Coach Switzer left in uh, 1988, uh, when and the head job was open, Coach Switzer actually recommended. Um, to the Board of Regents, Merv Johnson, to be the coach. You know, he said that his the players would have loved to have had Merv be their head coach. Uh, he knew that uh, Merv would be a, a, a great head coach. So he had, you know, his highest recommendation, but didn't work out in the end. Um, Merv stayed on as an assistant coach. Um, this will be season number 38 for Merv at Oklahoma, you know, through four coaches He's remained with the Sooners in different roles, but still just has been a fixture here at the University of Oklahoma and and has made a huge, huge impact even when he wasn't coaching, you know, even despite not ever being a head coach. It's just you you hear it over and over again from, you know, you're going to hear Coach Stoops again talk about it, Coach Switzer, just uh, how big of an impact he's made here uh, at the University of Oklahoma. Again, several different roles. Here's Toby and Coach Stoops on his legacy here with the Sooners. He's the tie that binds, you know. I mean, he's the the link that has connected Sooner football now for decades from Coach Switzer all the way to Coach Stoops. And you can't find anyone who will say a bad word about Merv Johnson, who whether they were with him in the 70s, 80s, 90s, or today. Everybody loves Coach Merv. He has, you know, looped all of these different head coaches and time periods together. He's the one mainstay through, through it all, and there's no one more consistent than Coach Merv. So uh, he's a guy that's the same every single day and uh, always positive, always got a, you know, an ear for you, whatever it may be. And, and again, he's a guy that I've really enjoyed uh, being in our program and being on our staff all these years. So as we know, in uh, 1999, Merv took over as the color analyst for the radio broadcast of on the Sooner Football Network. Uh, worked alongside Bob Barry and, of course, Toby Rowland. And, you know, one thing that Coach Merv has said about working with uh, Toby and Bob Barry is, you know, he compared them to the legendary coaches that, you know, he was around for 58 years. He, he said they're they're two of the absolute very best in their field. So he's like, he said he's he's just been so fortunate. Not only has he been, you know, in, in both aspects of, of what he's done for college football, whether it be a coach and then and into a, being a broadcaster, the people that he surrounded himself with are are the very best that there's ever been. You know, he, he just speaks of how fortunate He's been, and I thought Toby. I had to make sure and throw that in there because hopefully Toby Rowland is listening, and um, so I can let him know that um, he was compared to guys like uh, Frank Broyles, Dan Devine, and Barry Switzer. So there you go, Toby. Um, one thing about Coach Merv is, um, you know, he he might give you a little coach speak every now and then again when you're asking him about uh, the upcoming season, how excited he is about it. You know, he. Uh, he never, uh, he never really portrays much, much excitement. You know, he's he's never too high, uh, never too low. I've had a couple different people, multiple people, tell me that that's how he is. That he he's never high, never too low. Um, he's just very even killed. And he even did that to me when I asked him about the start of of this upcoming season. Uh, here's Toby on and his take on that. 
The other thing that's great about Merv is he's steady Eddie. I mean, he just never wavers. There's no highs and lows. I remember Coach Stoops talking about a lot of us fans and media ride the roller coaster of emotions of a college football season, really high one week, down in the depths after a loss. And Merv is always cautioning us, it's never as bad as it seems, it's never as good as it seems. And if you listen to Coach after a game, and you didn't watch the game, it's a little hard to tell whether OU won or lost because he's just so even-keeled. And I really respect that about him. I mean, I, I try to emulate that from him, is that he, it's exhausting to follow the highs and lows of a college athletic department throughout the year. You know, if you go football to basketball to baseball and you're in good moods when they win and bad moods when they lose, you're going to need a psychiatrist by the end of it. So I've tried to follow his lead and, and just be as composed and steady as he is on a day-in and day-out basis. So I really wanted to make sure and share this story. Uh, you know, we've, we've had some lighthearted moments, uh, you know, talking about Coach Merv, his scouting report. Um, we've talked about his impact as a coach. But um, this one was, I feel, important to share because, you know, so much of you, you think of Coach, of Coach Mervin and you think football, 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 but he is a huge, huge, huge family man. And, you know, as, as mentioned earlier, uh, when head coaching jobs came available, he sacrificed. He, he didn't take it because he wanted to keep his family in Norman together, didn't want to move them around, wanted them to, to be in, you know, a stable environment and, and, you know, in Norman where he had friends and, and so many family, so much family. Um, so really big family man, very supportive of, of his, his kids and, and his wife, Cindy. And in 2013, when Merv was on the road with the Sooners um, up to play Notre Dame, uh, Cindy suffered a stroke. Uh, she was in the hospital. And uh, the whole week um, following Notre Dame, you know, Merv did not leave her side. Um, you know, he was, he was there in the hospital the whole time and, you know, his kids, um, his son and daughter, um, really wanted him to be in the broadcast booth that, that following weekend. Um, you know, he, he didn't miss and, um, here's Jeff explaining their reasoning for that. He is a true servant. I mean, he is just truly more concerned with others than he is of himself. And I think during that time, um, what was ironic about that is um, we lived in South Bend and he coached at Notre Dame and all that happened the weekend, the day they played Notre Dame. And we had all gone back and she, had, she was going to go with us initially, but elected to stay. I don't, she said she didn't feel good or something along those lines and elected to stay. And then um, she had a stroke. And so during that week that followed the Notre Dame game leading up to, I think they played TCU uh, that the following weekend, he had spent so much time and just every night at the hospital next to uh, the bed and just taking care of her and just dealing with the doctors. My sister and I were here as well. And I think we could see, um, you know, his, his love for her was definitely, you know, you could see it in the way that he took care of her and everything. But I think at the time, uh, we were certainly very encouraging for him to go. Uh, I think the best way for me to put it would be, um, you know, it was, it was a tragic deal that occurred. Um, I think it was very surprising to us all. 
but I think we knew that the outcome would probably not be good at that point in time. And so I think through some surgeries and consultations with the doctors uh, during the week, we knew that, um, that some tough decisions would have to be made and we knew uh, what the end result was gonna be. So um, we knew, you know, in taking care of him and worrying about him at that point and just uh, all the things that he had been through that week and just, the, uh, just how well he had handled everything, uh, we strongly encouraged him to go to that game, to get his mind off of it because he truly, I mean, outside of our family, OU is his family. That coaching staff is his family. Uh, President Bourne, uh, Joe Castiglione, Coach Stoops and the staff, they mean a lot to him and they've been so incredibly good to him over the last, well, for, for 38 seasons, you know, for, uh, we, can't, we can't complain. And I think at that point in time, it was important, not, not so much for him, but for my sister and I, to see him kind of step away from the situation, if you can, for a little bit, and to go do something that he, we knew would help him get his mind off things and kind of help with the stress and the pressure of what was going on outside of football. And so we know that uh, he certainly enjoys being around Toby. Thanks to the world to Toby and the, the broadcast crew up in the booth. And so we thought it was just a good time for him to kind of step away for three or four hours uh, because we knew uh, that the next few days would probably be a little tough on all of us, but we knew that it'd be good for him to step away for a few hours. So we strongly encouraged him to do that. And we're very, very grateful that he was able to do that. You just spoke about how through that situation, through a couple of other really, really tough times in Merv's life. His Oklahoma football family um, was there for him, you know, outside of his family, which obviously is is such a huge, huge part and, and, and so important to Merv, you know, next to them is, is his football family and his Oklahoma football family here in Norman that he's gotten to know for so many years. Um, so, you know, Jeff talked about how his, his Oklahoma football family really helped him you know, through those times, they constantly uh, check on him, make sure, you know, he's doing all right. And, and so the Johnson family is, is certainly very, very grateful for, um, you know, the Oklahoma football family and, and for how they were there uh, and have been there for Merv, um, you know, for 38 seasons now. Uh, here's Jeff and Merv talking about his long tenure here at Oklahoma. From the David Boren down to Joe Castiglione, just to Coach Stoops and Coach Switzer, giving him the chances that he's had and giving him the opportunities that he has had. We can't express just how thankful we are for uh, the football coaches and the staff. And then again, Joe Castiglione and, and President Boren just for taking such an interest in him and just, uh, just uh, treating him so well from a day-to-day -day perspective. It's, it's something that you hope and you, you um, you pray personally that you always are able to experience in your job, but to see it happen to, to like my dad is just something that just is endearing to all of us. And uh, from that perspective, it's, it's something that we will always remember for the rest of our lives. Other than the 90s, which were kind of ragged and rugged, <laughs> it's just been a very enjoyable uh, place to be. And as you get older, you don't have an opportunity to go somewhere else and maybe find the same thing. So hang on and hope. You probably have realize this, I, I'm sure, but uh, the ball game we played against Clemson last December was my 460th consecutive OU game to be at. 
Now that's got to be a record right there, you know. And the great thing about it, I hadn't had to buy a ticket to get in one of them. <laughs> Fantastic. I think that's great. That's fun. Yeah, that's perfect. Thank you so well, much. Well, you're more. I absolutely love that. So it will be number 461 on Saturday. Again, he will not have to buy a ticket for that because he will be calling the game as a part of the radio crew for the Sooner football broadcast um, during their game against Houston down in Houston. Uh, so you'll want to make sure and Tune in for that. They'll have a pregame show as well. Um, so just to, to wrap things up, you know, you heard over and over how great of a, a coach Coach Merv is. You know, he always got the most out of his players. He was a father figure. Um, he dedicated so, so, so much time to being successful, to helping his players be the best that they can be, to winning on Saturdays. Um, but, you know, it's just important to know that there's so much more to Coach Merv than just football. He's, you know, again, just such a huge, huge family man, um, cares so much about the people around him, um, so nice. Like, I, I can speak personally. He's been just so great to me during my time here in Norman, so nice. Every time I get to talk to him, I just enjoy it so much. So just wanted to make sure that, that I pointed out, and, and Jeff – mentioned that, um, you know, he never put football on a pedestal with his family. Um, There's more important things to life, and Merv understood that. So in closing, I wanted to let you hear what two people who know him very well think of him and that he's more than just a coach. Um, He's a kind and gentle man. I mean, aside from the fact that he's obviously one of the greatest football coaches that the sport has ever known. He's a part of football history in so many ways with, with the greatest of teams. But at his core, he's a kind and decent and loving man. And I am thankful that I've had the chance to be around him as a broadcaster and, and have access to his football knowledge. But that's not the best thing about Merv. I mean, just, you know, you walk into a room and Merv's there, you just grin and you want to give him a hug. And he's just, he's lovable and he's, he seems like he's everybody's best friend. He's a great person. First of all, he's, he's great inside. He's as good as they get. He's pure gold and uh, uh, his, all players loved him. Yeah, they knew what he was and uh, he's um, man of many, many virtues and uh, many talents, and uh, he is uh, he's what you want your coach to be. Very, very powerful words right there from Toby Rowland and Coach Switzer. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this. I've enjoyed it. I Again, I, I'm so glad that I have a, a place where I can share some of the stuff that I was so upset about that I couldn't put in my feature for the game day show. Um, so, Again, we'll try to do this again, try to shoot for every week. Would love to, to share some more stories with you guys. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to listen to this. This is my very first podcast, so uh, I, I enjoyed it. Hope you guys did as well. So, um, again, I'm Jessica Cootie. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast, and uh, we'll do it again soon. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. 
Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air.